Welcome to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soviero, and today we're going to dive into the world of youth sports and speak with leaders who are making an impact in their communities. From coaches to program directors and beyond, we'll explore the latest trends, issues, and solutions in the world of youth sports. But before we get started, we'd like to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics. Their game-changing team swag stores are designed to make youth and travel sports programs feel like the big leagues. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. All right, welcome back to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. Today, I've got special guest, Mr. Tom Marichek with us. Tom, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Dan. Very, very happy to be here and uh, looking forward to our uh, our little meeting. Sweet. So uh, a little background on Tom. Uh, a lot of our guests probably uh, know you from, from the iconic BT- BTBs, the behind the backs that you've thrown all throughout your career. There's highlights littering the uh, social media ether um, with some of the most amazing behind the backs you've ever seen. Um, and you went really from a legendary player and coach. You've had a huge impact on the game. Now you're at IMG Academy, and in between, you went from uh, a really impressive playing career, starting at Cuse, winning two national championships, a four-time All-American, and then on to uh, play pro in the indoor and the outdoor league, earning you an induction into the NLL Hall of Fame, the U.S. National Lacrosse Hall of Fame, the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. I don't know what Hall of Fame you're not in, but uh, it's a pretty impressive rap sheet. So, um, and then I think one of the cool things we were talking about before the show that that really stood out was the all pro lacrosse camps that you built over the course of 25 years or so, and um, how many players you were able to influence. So, like, sounds like over 20,000 players and. Um, you started that back in 1995, which I got to say, not a bad year, year I was born. So pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. So so tell us, like growing up in Canada, what was your sport? What was your signature story that really like grabbed you and made you stay a part of sports all the way through um, this impressive career? No, that's a, that's a good question, Dan. Um, very simple for me to answer. Uh, I was actually going to sign up for baseball one year. My first sport was going to be baseball. And I was uh, at the age of six, I believe, turning seven. Um, I haven't seen my brother in probably a year and a half. He went back out east to play for uh, a junior A team in Ontario. So he moved away from home, you know, when he was a teenager. And then he came back and I I signed up for baseball before he returned. And I was, you know, in the backyard, throwing the ball, catching it. Um, And basically when when he came back, he, he looked at my baseball glove and chucked it over the fence. He's like, you're not, you're not going to play this, uh, this, this wussy sport. You're going to play this sport. And he actually threw me a big wooden lacrosse stick. And to his credit, he was there after school. I was still finishing school. It was late spring. He waited for me to get home from school every day just to teach me how to catch and throw. And, uh, it was frustrating at times. I almost quit, but, uh, but yet at, at the end of the day, my brother, Bill Marichek, was the guy that got me involved in lacrosse. And uh, it was history since since that day. What an awesome story. How, how much older is Bill? Billy's uh, 13 years older. 
So he was, everybody thought he was my father. So everybody wow. thought he was my dad. And they're like, oh, that's so nice that you have your dad catching and throwing with you after schools. And I'm like, well, it's not my father. It's my older brother, Bill. And uh, my brother was kind of famous in his own right back then. He played for the Victoria Shamrocks, which was a big team in town. I'm from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. And I used to be his biggest fan growing up, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, watching him play. Uh, and later on, he coached me for a year. Uh he was hard on me. It was tough, but I'm sure. But I'll tell you, it was baseball first. Uh, but I am so thankful that he he was there for me and he taught me the game of lacrosse. And 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 from there, I played soccer in the winters and lacrosse in the in the summers. Growing up, all my life. That's awesome. So Billy really got you. So Billy was like 19 when you're like six. He introduces you to the sport. You're watching him play pro. And you get to kind of learn underneath this older brother of yours. That yeah. You're yeah. Playing Victoria pro. Shamrocks, not quite pro, but you know, one of the best uh, sport teams in town, you know, they're all in the papers and they play for the man cup, which is the most, one of the most prestigious uh, Canadian trophies there, there are. And we used to, they used to pack the Memorial arena in Victoria, 5,000 plus fans in a smaller That's arena. Awesome. It was, it was a great atmosphere. So yeah, to hit to Bill's credit, he was there waiting for me. And, uh, he ignited me to play lacrosse, and uh, that's why you know I, I found idols that he played with, Kevin Alexander's and Ivan Thompson's, that became on to be legendary Hall of Fame, Canadian Hall of Fame players. That is so cool. So, what was your recruiting process like back then to go from growing up in Canada and Victoria and then ending up at Cuse? It was there's not much recruiting process <laughs> back then in Canada. It was uh, Gary and Paul Gate. <laughs> They pretty much recruited me. So Gary and Paul Gate, as you know, uh, came from the same hometown as I have. Uh, we played lacrosse growing up since the age of 14, 15. Uh, we were a year apart. When, once we got to the junior age, uh, age we started playing together and, and winning championships. And the Gates went to Syracuse first, I believe, in uh, January 87. And I came two years later in uh, January 89. So, so I was very... So they basically, sorry. So they basically, uh, they were recruited and then they said, coach, I've got this guy. You got to take a look at him. And then coach took a look and then you get, you end up at Q's. That's exactly the story. Yeah. They got cut. They got, I'll even uh, further that story. They actually got cut from the Canadian world team uh, in 86. They were younger still, you know, 19, 18. And the coach, uh, Bobby Allen at the time didn't, think they were ready for it uh and they probably were obviously they're probably better than anybody on yeah. that team and uh he told coach Simmons he goes I got these twins that I just cut from the Canadian national team but you got to be looking out for them they're going to be superstars one day and that's how the gates got noticed first and they wow. went there they went there first Dude, that is crazy so getting cut from a team ended up getting introduced to coach Simmons who recruits him to Cuse. And then they put your name in the hat. You end up there and it leads to three, four time all Americans, two national championships. And just like, and that really started the ball with, with the whole Cuse um, dynasty, right? It really, yeah, it really was, you know, we, uh, you know, we don't, we kind of pride ourselves of, sort of being revolutionary in the sport. You know, we've been throwing behind the backs, through the leg stuff, reverse backhands all our life. Um, bringing it to the big stage of NCAA lacrosse was 
the first thing the gates did first that yeah. I came in, I came in and just expanded that. So yeah, very happy to be, you know, kind of, a, you know, ambassadors to, to revolutionize the sport. Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember even growing up and I wasn't, I was a big football guy. I picked up lacrosse in eighth grade. So I was pretty late to the game and I was in Florida. So it wasn't a hotbed sport, but I remember looking up online and seeing on YouTube like some highlights, and I remember this one play in particular. This midi running down the field, it might, and it might have been it might have been an unsettled situation off of a clear or something. But I remember a behind the back pass from like it must have been the fifty yard line or so, all the way just bullet on a rope right to uh, I think it was Paul or Gary. It was one of the two, and then they just stung the corner, and it was just like the most beautiful fast break play I've ever seen. I was like, God, every time I want to do that. Well, I'll tell you right now, I know the exact play. I know the exact moment. It was actually uh, the 1989 championship game uh, from with Syracuse Us versus Johns Hopkins. Uh, it was at Bird Stadium, College Park, Maryland. And it was Paul Gate running down on the left side. And he's the one that threw the behind the back to a uh, Greg Burns, who was my attackman beside me. And Greg Burns caught the pass, lefty and shot it in and, and Quinn Kesnick was in goal and he couldn't react in time, but it was a bullet. It probably, you can look online. It's probably the best pass in that moment. Yeah. In lacrosse, definitely in that moment, championship game, the best pass in lacrosse history. And was it a tie game at that point? It was, it was at least a tie or maybe one goal. I, I wow. remember, I think it was in the, I think it was in the third quarter and it was a close game all the way through. We ended up winning that championship by one goal. That is amazing. Yeah. So wow. that's the goal. That is exactly the goal you're referring to. Yeah. Wow. So how'd you end up? So you, you, you're at Cuse, you play, you end up in the pro leagues. Um, you do an incredible job throughout college and throughout your pro career. And then as you're playing pro, this is back in the earlier days of the pro league. So they're not, they're not paying too much. So you start doing camps and clinic. How did that all start to kind of expand into, um, a business career as well as a playing career? Well, like you mentioned, you know, I was a, I was a teacher. Um, my full-time was a, I was a PE teacher and coach at uh, a few schools. I think I was at three, three different schools in Maryland, Baltimore. And from there I was playing pro lacrosse. Um, I always kid, cause I, I always tell people I have like six jobs, you know, I had a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. So you had to, we didn't make enough being a teacher coach didn't make enough playing pro lacrosse. So you had to do a lot of things. Um, depends on how you want to live. Right. So I started, yeah. all, I started my Tom Marichek's all pro lacrosse camp, uh, which started 95 with a few, but 96 was my first year. And I had that for 24 years and I expanded it not only from Baltimore where I started it. I went, I've, I've had camps in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, believe it or not, Mississippi, uh, Louis, uh, uh, gee, I, I'm just thinking Virginia. All the way Norfolk. down to Jupiter, right? We have, the, yeah, then all of a sudden down to Jupiter. But yeah, uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, Lancaster County. Lens, uh, so there was a lot. I, I got to write down actually how many I actually had. But the Baltimore was the best because it was the only overnight camp. It was at Goucher College. And okay. that was the mo that was my most successful camp. Uh, we had up to almost 200 kids one week. I had two weeks there. So I had 400 kids one summer is a lot. But, yeah. The great thing about my camps where I take pride in was the structure of it. And, and I had between 13 to 15 coaches that were with me for all, most of those years. So that's what I take pride in. I, I thought Incredible. for sure, I thought we ran the best 
most successful instructional camp out there. So what what do you think it was that really uh, allowed you to keep that staff in, in place for so long? Well, obviously loyalty. You know, they were loyal to me. I was loyal to them. I looked after them. Uh, and, you know, most of these guys were teachers like I was. So summer work was important for them to make some extra cash. And I was very loyal. I looked after them. Um, and they just love the atmosphere. They love the culture of my camp. We laid out a, a philosophy. We didn't uh, we didn't keep it stagnant. We changed yeah. things around every year. Different shooting drills, the dodges, the different games, and different uh, different kept kind of stations. Couple state, yeah, kept us fresh. Different stations every summer. I added video. I added this, this. So there's a lot of good things. And coaches love being together. You know, we we hung out after camp every day uh, over a few pops and and rehearsed. And we just basically just talked about our life growing up in the cross. And that's why they look forward to it every summer. I look forward to hanging out with them. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. As someone who's done a lot of those uh, four night, five day sleep away camps, I know it's uh, the, the after hours is a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, we always did a, um, cause we run a couple four night, five day sleep away camps. My wife does. And um, at the end, the last day we'll, we'll split the kids up. We'll do a draft with all the coaches yeah. After hours and have pizza and beers and it's a great time and the kids have a lot of fun because they got selected to be on a team and it creates a nice uh community around it but uh one of the things that you said that i really wanted to dig into a little bit more was philosophy what what was the philosophy that you used all those years in the camp to really guide the the player development keeping it fun keeping it fun you know uh if you don't if you're not having fun in any sport you're not going to be successful. You know, I, I tend to, I tend to preach that as a kid. That's why I practiced the over the backs, behind the backs, through the legs yeah. shots. I kept the game fun for me. If I was a generic player, I probably wouldn't have lasted. I wouldn't have played this long, uh, as many years. So keeping it fun and fresh, uh, making sure they develop, making sure that they are getting something out of my camp, not just going out there, rolling the ball, and playing scrimmage or a game, pickup games. Making sure they actually leave the camp with more confidence than they had, you know, coming to the yeah. camp. So that's the biggest thing with my philosophy is I challenge all my coaches every year on my camps that let's make these kids better. Let's, when we fill out the IDPs uh, reports at the end of camp, make sure that they have improved in the five days they've been with us. Something, I'm not saying it's going to be a miraculous, that's going to be a huge change, but it's something. If they can yeah. pick up a ground ball better or pass on the run better. It's, it's got to be something that uh, that we teach these kids. And that's why I think that philosophy of that is is what we always we always stood for. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing to hear from one of the best uh, lacrosse players of all time that the number one focus of your philosophy is have fun. It's just such a simple concept, but it, it's so important. And I think it's it can get so overlooked when you put winning in front of it or when you put um, there's so many other things that you your stats in front of it, making your mom happy, making your dad happy, impressing your brother who introduced you to the game. There's so many things that can get in the way. But at the end of the day, if it's not fun, you're doing yeah. something. Wrong. Right. Yeah. Let's face it. You know, we're not making millions of dollars playing lacrosse. Um we here at IMG, obviously, we do everything from teaching these kids and and making them more prepared for college. That's the biggest thing we do is um, developing, developing. Yeah, it'd be nice to be ranked number one or two in the country each year, but we're not going to be. Uh, we'll be ranked, but we don't care about that. We want the kid. We want the kid holistically 
to be the best version of themselves by the time they leave IMG Academy every year. We need That's them to be cool. the best, best thing. And we're going to help them. We're going to challenge them. We're going to help them. We're not going to blow smoke, uh, sunshine up their butts. Uh, yeah. We're going to say, hey, you're not going to play at Duke, Notre Dame, Virginia, Syracuse, but maybe, you know, the other schools in Division Two and Three. And realistically, we take approach approach that way. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I think uh, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there. And um, the more the more of a uh, honest approach and transparent apo- approach, the, the better it yeah. is for the whole community. It's just level sets yeah. expectations. There's not, there's not a thousand spots on every roster. It's no. just reality. Just <laughs> reality. Um, right. Right. Cool. So how'd you, so you go from these, this really successful camp business, you're in Maryland, and then how do you come to, uh, to IMG Academy where you're at now? That's funny. That's another good question. Um, I was teaching in Maryland for 24 years, uh, my club business playing pro. I just came to a, a point where I was just looking for something better, something different. Baltimore was getting stagnant for myself. Uh, and my family, but more myself. And I needed to look and, and think about what I wanted to do. And I, uh, the job opened up. One of my friends actually from Syracuse found the, found the job uh, open up and called me. So I just put my resume in. And I'm not kidding. This is a true story. I think within five or 10 minutes, the, uh, the athletic director of the whole school, IMG, emailed me back and said, you know, can we get on a phone call? So it was pretty cool. That's so I got a, we got a nice... FaceTime uh, phone call uh, with the HR and, and and himself and another AD. And, and then I think a week later after that, they flew me down and I had a full day of, I'm sure, you know, when you, when you get a job this big as a director, it was a full day interview with nine or 10 different people. But I had a good feeling after the interviews came, I slept overnight. They put me up in a nice place here and they flew me back. And uh, I told my my wife, I said, guess what? You're probably going to pack up. We're going to go to Florida. So that's that's kind of like, and she wasn't she wasn't a big fan at first, but she realized, you know, having my both boys here is a, is 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 a big thing for our family. I think it's a a huge uh, a, a, a huge way to you know have yeah. kids fit in. Yeah. yeah, and when you once you're down in Florida and the the beautiful sun hits your face in the morning, and it just it's a happy place to be. It really is. And I've been visiting Florida twice a year for 22 years. You know, I have a friend that lives on the other side near you. I was mentioning in, yeah. Palm, Beach Gar- in Palm Beach Gardens. And we'd always be coming down for guys golf trips twice a year, you know, sometimes like November and February. So I knew Jupiter well and I knew West Palm and that area, but didn't really know this side. I didn't know the golf side at all. And been to Tampa a few times way back when, but didn't know where uh, Bradenton was. You know, until yeah. I see that IMG Academy sits in Bradenton. And now we just, you know, I, I love it here. I can't imagine myself moving back up north. Um, yeah. Great place. Yeah. It really is. It's a special spot. So normally we get into like, what are the one to three uh, biggest needle moving ideas that you use to to really grow the IMG program? Obviously, you stepped in and you've been able to help improve the program, but it's been around for a while. So I think um, going back to the to the camp business, um, what were kind of the things I know you talked a little bit about just the continuity of the staff and and having a culture around the program. That seems like a really big piece of the puzzle for you. And then making it about fun, which is I hope everybody listening, um, because we have people from all different sports, all different programs all across the country. 
Um, just it, it transcends every sport. If you're having fun, if you're making it fun, it's, it, the kids are going to build a better passion for the, for whatever it is that they're pursuing. And it just leads to a lot more energy behind whatever it is they're going after. So what were, was there anything else that stood out that really helped you to be able to build the programs that you've been a part of? No, like I said, Dan, you know, the expertise of what I've done teaching for 23 plus years, running my own club team, 42 teams, my camps, um, organizing, managing day-to-day operations for my camps and, and, and my business. That's, that's what helped me get a step above a lot of people. Um, Hiring a good staff, you know, you got to hire a good staff. You know, I had to do that right away. And I'm very fortunate that my staff are doing a great job. They're killing it here. Uh, They care about the kids. They take their time. uh, And uh, that's, that's, half the battle is making sure that they feel comfortable with the the student athletes we bring in and we make the families, we keep transparency uh, very high here. And we talk to families all the time about the progress of each child. So that's a big part of what we do at IMG. And uh, what does that look like for, for a parent? It's, it's, it's day to day. It's, you, you know, you're in beautiful Florida, you get more reps here. You're playing one sport only. Um, and it's just, uh, it's time management. We make sure the kids are, especially the boarding kids, you know, we have 80% of our kids that board here over overnight. Yeah. Uh, that teaches them a lot of values and, 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 uh, and things to grow, grow from when they get into college, they, they'll know how to, you know, do their own la- laundry or, you know, buy their own food or whatever. So it's kind of a college like atmosphere here. Um, but it's just day to day. It's day to day all year. Uh, we challenge the kids. We have fun. Like I said, let's talk about fun. We'll go to the beach sometimes and do speed laps and throw a football around and I'll buy them pizzas after. So we make it fun for the kids. That's it's not great. it's not always work, work, work. Um, and uh, and we gauge there's a cadence by the time they get here. And the cadence is to develop uh, uh, not even holistically, um, but everything as far as mental, you know, met, we have a mental coach, strength and conditioning coach. All that comes in in, in a huge uh, advocacy for this for what we do here. Yeah, for the kids, that's that's huge. I mean, that was uh, my experience playing Division One lacrosse. Uh, we got some of those resources, um, but we didn't even get all of those resources. And we were at a, a Division One program, St. John's. So uh, yeah. it's pretty amazing the resources that they have. So. Tell, as somebody who grew up in in Canada and became one of the best players of all time, and now you're you're on a platform where you're developing some kids that a lot of players that have come out of IMG have ended up being some of the best in NCAA at certain points. Um, what what is the the different like? Do you think that these IMG like academies and and some of the competitors around are putting athletes at a whole a whole different level or do you think that there's still room for those those kids who maybe don't have all those resources to still find their way to the biggest stages yeah well you know i try to pride upon what we do first what we do at img um you know the athletic development piece is bar none i don't think any other school huge advantage right it is it is an advantage that's why we try to we talk to families and and like i said we don't we don't lie to them i said well proof is in the pudding you look at these kids coming in that aren't that fast aren't that quick aren't that big and, and they develop over the year um and they get better lacrosse skill sense and, and lacrosse iq they just get better here at IMG. 
Um, and I'm not putting any of those other schools down, which we're mentioning in the Northeast, the boarding schools, but we just do so much holistically for these kids yeah. ac- academically and athletically. But time management is one thing is huge. There's nobody that can beat us in time management and the whole the ath- athletic performance development. No, no one. And we do a good job at college placement. You know, we all my coaches and I, we've been together for many years. They've they've played. I think we over. I think we counted over 119 years of uh, years of experience as far as playing. And we have a lot to offer these kids. And we know every coach out there in Division One, Two, and Three. So we yeah. can help. We can help advocate these for these kids. Um, and when you talk about placement, I think a lot of times parents are are sold this bag of goods that like it's D one or bust, and or it's like top four programs in the nation or bust. But really, the reality is with placement, it's it's so much more about is the kid a good culture fit for that program. Is the kid going to report well to that boss, which is that head coach? Is the kid? Do they even have what the kid wants to study? Does the kid even know what they want to study? Is it a big school? Is it a small environment? Is it is it cold? Is it warm? There's so much that goes into that placement. And can you talk for a second about kind of how you guys think about that and how you educate the kids and the parents so that they do end up in a school where they can they can actually be there for four years and they're not going to transfer in a year? Yeah, yeah. Basically, what we do, how we set this up is we bring each player in our offices here um, and we help drop a list of schools, schools that they want to play for, go to schools that probably best fit them skill-wise and schools they want to, you know, study at. What are they studying? What do they want to uh, degree in? So we help with all that. So we can just cross and minus schools right away. Uh, You're not interested in this school because they're they're too big of a school for you. You wanted a smaller setting. So we really, really take our time with every kid and where, oh, you want to play at Syracuse, but, you know, it's going to snow six months a year. Uh, you know that, right? No, I'm from California. I love the weather. I'm like, well, that's not yeah. a school for you either. So we do. We actually have a checkbox of where do you want to be? Are you going to be successful? We don't want you to put your name in a transfer portal, like you mentioned. Yeah. We want you, to, we want you there for four years. And uh, especially now, of course, with the transfer portal being so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Uh, we, yeah. want, we want these kids to stay stay where we we help them get to you know yeah. and, and we have some you know I'm personal friends with a lot of those division 1 coaches and oh yeah it, it sometimes doesn't look good on me if I send a kid out I do all this work to get him there and, and then and he's not a good fit yeah it's, it, yeah it's just it it, it kind of stinks but that's the way that's the way it kind of is right now unfortunately you get it's some right you get some wrong i think it's just like uh yeah. higher, you know it's tough, so, um, but we help each other. You know, there's five coaches and myself. We talk yeah. about each kid and we we make sure that we're not sending that student athlete, boy or girl, because we have girls program yeah. too, to a school that is not a good fit for them. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a Floridian who ended up going up to St. John's and uh, I think the biggest miss that I had in that whole recruiting process, because my father was uh, very much into like, we had to work in the yard to pay rent since we were like 12. When it came to like sports and getting recruited, he was like, if you want to play travel sports, that's great. You're going to add to your list of, of work because you're going to have to pay for that too. When yeah. it came to recruiting, he was, he's like, he won uh state championship wrestling um, and then took his GED at 16 and went to college. And he never thought about playing college sports. He never thought about the recruiting process. So when, me and my brother started to go through the process. He was like, you guys do it. You got, it's your life. You want to do it. You do it. And 
I was like so confident as a young guy. I, I, I was so naive. It was ridiculous. Right. And, uh, as I was going through the process of St. John showed interest. I was this great. This seems like a great school. Go up for the recruiting visit. They're loosely affiliated with the church. That seems like it might work for me, but I had already been kicked out of a private school twice in high school. So if it was strong affiliation, I don't think I would last. I get up there. I should have seen it, but the name is St. John's. Yeah. I should have known. I just yeah. didn't. And then there's yeah. no bubble. And that I, I had no idea how important having a bubble was when you're yeah. in the Northeast. Cold. Yeah. Cold. And yeah. just the windshield and everything. I mean, it is just a very different experience than what you create in your head. Yeah. When you don't have that that coaching around you to really break it down and explain like, well, this is why a lot of guys that come from a Southern state or a warmer state and go play in the Northeast end up leaving. And I mean, just the top three reasons alone put a lot of perspective into kids' heads. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I was just fortunate to go to Syracuse and I was happy. We won two national championships and I couldn't, I couldn't imagine going anywhere else, you know, but seeing these other campuses, I can see the draw and, and the uh, attractiveness to the Carolinas and the Virginia, how nice it is. But yeah, I'm so glad I'm so glad I went to Syracuse, played for a Hall of Fame coach, legendary Roy Simmons Jr., the best, the best coach I've ever had. Amazing. That's awesome. Um, what was some of the, the ba- biggest things that you learned from from Coach Roy? And how do you take those to to the IMG and to the kids you're coaching now? Yeah, just integrity is a big word, you know, integrity. Um, always act as you you would. Um, you know, uh just challenge kids. Uh don't lie, don't cheat, just just be uh just be very loyal and and not and not uh not take things for granted. I tell kids all the time, do not take things for granted. You're only here for a little bit. And lacrosse career is very short for most. Um, we always had a commitment ceremony outside every year. We just had one two weeks ago for all the school. And my 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 talk was about don't take t- don't take things for granted. You know, I still look back and talk to my Syracuse buddies. How fast those four years go is a re- is a m- remarkable. Yeah, you know, and. <laughs> Take every day, wake up every day with a purpose. Wake up in college with a purpose. Make sure that you're, that day is going to be better than the day before. And because by the time, you know, just click clicking your fingers, your four years is up, four years of high school, four years of college. And some people, that's it for them for, for the rest of their life. So just, yeah. just take it. Don't take anything for granted. That's awesome. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. So where can uh, listeners stay in touch with you, follow along with the journey and uh, with the IMG Academy? uh, Yeah. IMG Academy has, yeah, we're on uh, Instagram, IMG Lacrosse. Uh, IMG Lacrosse is on Facebook. Um, Anywhere. You know, I have my own Tom Marichek on Facebook. You can go to my personal one, but IMG Lacrosse, IMG Academy, uh, look for camps, go on IMG.com, IMGacademy.com, and there's camps. We offer camps all year. If, if you want to send uh, anybody from age 10 to 18, there are camps. Um, so yeah, we're always on social media. All you have to do is plug in IMG Lacrosse. There's going to be things that pop up. Beautiful. Well, Coach, we really appreciate having you on the show. Thanks for sharing your journey and your story. It's really uh, an inspiration. So we're really excited to uh, get the podcast out there and for everybody to get a chance to listen along. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Appreciate everything. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. We hope you found our conversation with our guest insightful and thought-provoking. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And of course, a big thanks to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics, for their continued support of this podcast and their dedication to making youth sports programs feel like the big leagues. Be sure to check out their game-changing Team Swag stores to elevate your program's look and feel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Signature Grow the Game podcast.